All right, you guys, so we are pretty much almost in back to school season or we pretty much already are depending on where you go to school. But if you are a junior or senior in college, then you are probably coming to a slow reality check of holy shit, I am almost a college graduate. Like what am I going to do with my life? Like what do I do from here, right? I remember what it was like during college and after college and even during the job search process. It's all still really recent to me. And because I know how stressful it can be, I put together a career ebook guide for you called the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success. I include resume templates, cover letter templates, top interview questions, my personal answers to the questions, how you should be dressing at interviews, and so much more. So you can find all the information on this ebook and buy this ebook online at whatfulfillsyou.com. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the What Fulfills You podcast or welcome if you are brand new to the show. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host and I'm so excited for this episode because this one has been a long time coming. But before I get into the intro, I want to preface this audio quality is certainly different because, well, first off, quick update. I am live from New York in Manhattan and I have officially moved in to my new apartment and I will be doing a whole um, episode on that in the near future on just what's next for me, um, why I decided to move. And for those of you who don't really know much about my past, I previously lived in Southern California for six years, um, more specifically in Los Angeles the past year and a half. And I just literally left and arrived into my new apartment yesterday. So I am recording this on Tuesday morning, this intro here. And because I have been moving, I am a dipshit and forgot my, um, it's like that connector for new MacBooks in order to plug in my microphone. And I don't have that because I left that in a tote bag that I put in my car that is currently being driven over or shipped over here to the East Coast in Pennsylvania, where I am originally from. So long story short, I'm recording this with AirPods. I don't usually do this, and my uh, audio quality is usually better. But um, like I said, I will give more of a, I guess, life update for those of you who are interested in just kind of what's coming up for me. But to dive back into this guest episode, it's a really good friend of mine, Dave Nash. Um, we met through a entrepreneur mastermind last August. And I think this is relevant, what I'm about to share on how I met him slash the person that invited me to the mastermind, because I talk a lot on this podcast about not just networking, but cultivating relationships with like-minded people, people that have not only people that have similar interests, but common values, philosophy on life, uh, a framework that you know, they utilize to approach life. And as I've gotten older, I'm two years out post-grad, I have been more nitpicky with who I'm going to surround myself with. And on this episode, we do talk a little bit about how when you do reach a certain level of success or as you become more quote-unquote successful in your 20s, you do tend to up-level in certain ways and you should want to, right? I think that's just really important as you continue to grow as a human. But back to how I met Dave. So uh, this was a brunch slash lunch mastermind in Venice, California. This was like a couple of weeks before I actually officially moved to Venice. And the person that invited me, his name is Ronnie. And we did talk a little bit about him on the episode as well. But I met him through a friend, Eric, that I interviewed on this podcast last April, or I think, or April or May of 2020. And I found Eric through LinkedIn because I wanted to interview uh, not only 
more men because I think it's important to include that variety on this show. But also I wanted to interview entrepreneurs that I feel would have a different take or a unique take for my listeners, even if you aren't interested in entrepreneurship or becoming an entrepreneur, but maybe it's the values or the approach to life that would be valuable to you. So um, Eric heard that I was, and again, Eric is someone I haven't even met either. He lives in Bangkok. And when we recorded the podcast, that was remote. But he introduced me to Ronnie because he knew I was moving to Los Angeles. And he's like, hey, I think you guys should connect. And then Ronnie and I had a Zoom call. We just talked. We hit it off really well. And then a few weeks later, he's like, hey, would you be interested in coming to my mastermind? I'm going to bring, you know, a couple other people. Um, And these are all people that have businesses, um, direct-to-consumer businesses, and uh, do a certain amount of revenue um, per month. And so I was like, yeah, totally. And so since then, I have been fortunate to expand my group of, you know, circle of friends to more entrepreneurs because prior to that, I would say I, and again, at that point too, I was only a year out of college, but I was more focused on, or I guess not focused, but I just had uh, more friends from college or just girlfriends that had maybe a similar lifestyle as mine, but maybe weren't in the entrepreneurial circle. And since then I've been able to expand and Dave and I have been bi-coastal if you will the past year uh, we'd meet up in New York because um, he has been living in New York and then um, also Los Angeles because right now that's where he's at and then he's coming back to New York and then um, we also met up in Miami back in I think this was March or April but yeah I guess um, that's the backstory of how I know Dave and I guess the reason why I found that compelling to share is because I have noticed especially now living in Manhattan There are so many unique opportunities to meet people that you never know will be really aligned with you. And, you know, let's say had I not taken the time to do that Zoom call with Ronnie or taken the time to even just say yes to coming to that brunch, I would not have met Dave and um, you just never know. So as of recent, I've been saying yes to a lot of opportunities and, and chances to meet up with people that I believe could be a great opportunity for me to meet more people that are aligned with me because I'm all about that and it's all about the energy and the common values you share with your circle of friends. So um, with that being said, this episode is extremely useful for not only entrepreneurs, but for those who do want a little bit more of a business mindset and to understand really how to be mindful about your life choices. And we do dive into stoicism as well. It's a philosophy that both Dave and I really utilize in our life, but something I encourage with you listeners as well. So I'm going to stop rambling for now. Enjoy this episode and let's get into it. I've always believed the foundation of our fulfillment in life doesn't come from our quote unquote success, but rather the strength of our relationships, not only with others, but also ourselves. And how we develop a deeper connection is through self-reflection and purposeful conversations with those around us, especially like-minded individuals. And that is exactly why I created the What Fulfills You card game to cultivate both more meaningful relationships with others, as well as ourselves on the journey of personal growth. I certainly use these questions as a guide for journal prompts and, of course, weekly check-ins with myself. And when I am playing this game with friends on a Friday night in, you bet I am enjoying it with a glass of wine or two, who knows? (laughs) Pre-order the card game now at whatfulfillsyou.com and enjoy an exclusive 10% off for listeners only with code whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout. That's whatfulfillsyou10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Enjoy! Oh my god, we've been planning this for six months. Dude, we have. I know. Actually, though, like when you were still living over there, because I think I was trying to set up a time to record at your place with the whole video thing, and the next thing you know, you moved out. So. It's the whole bi-coastal thing. Like, yeah. Ever since 2021, uh, 2020, when I was in LA in October of 2020, and then you were in New York in February of 2021, yeah, yeah. and then back and forth, like, trying to catch each other in different we've cities. We've been bi-coastal, and we're about to do it again. Exactly. We're in uh, LA right now. Yeah. LA right now. I'm going to New York full-time in 10 days, and then you're going to be there, like, with like three 20, weeks 10 in. days after you yeah yeah 10 days after oh you, that's I'll beautiful be back in dude. New York. Dude, I'm so i know this is gonna be awesome but yeah. i can't wait to get drunk dude can i know we, can we can we, can we go back to il molino 
Oh, <laughs> I always go there. Tequila shots. Tequila shots. With Elvis. With that dude. Yeah. That one dude. Yeah. He loves <laughs> shout us. Out, shout out to him. Yeah. El Molino Prime. <laughs> okay. Let's dive into your background. Sure. I think you have a really cool background. Uh, give it to the audience. Like literally from like OG days. I'm talking like when you were five years old. Yeah. And no, one, no one knew you yet. Absolutely. So I was born and raised <laughs> in New Jersey. Um, and my family came from the Philippines um, when they were like 21, 22. My mom and my dad had me a couple years later. And then I just grew up. I'm kind of in the hood for the first 10, 15 years while my, my parents were getting their money up. And then we moved to um, Princeton, New Jersey. Like everyone knows like Princeton University and yeah. stuff. So it was a nicer area. So I went to a good school there. And then in terms of, because um, I know you talk a lot about like business and entrepreneurship. Yeah. So pretty much most of my history is entrepreneurship ever since I was like eight, yeah. eight, nine, ten. And a lot of other people who are successful entrepreneurs um, in their 20s and 30s also have this story where like they started like you know selling stuff in, in the lunchroom and stuff <laughs> literally like going to get begging their mom oh can you go to Costco like buy me like 20 cans of coke or like buy me candy wait, and stuff wait what was your first like business as a kid it like, was literally like it was literally candy 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 okay mine was erasers it's, it's really fun <laughs> no I know I I didn't scam people but I literally had my dad buy a pack of erase cat erasers for me and I fucking drew a heart and a smiley face, like like just hand drew. Oh, like a face. Yeah. And then I sold them like I think twenty five cents each or a pack of five for a dollar. The ones that go on the top of your pants. Yes, like oh the <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, as wow. a fifth grader, but like I, I was just bored as fuck, you know. Yeah. And then I think eventually I got in trouble because they're like, Emily, you can't just you know you can't like yeah. screw over your kid. I'm like, yeah. I'm screwing them over. And I'm just like providing them the needs. Oh, wait, okay, so yours is candy. Yeah, so I did candy. Um, I also did Yu-Gi-Oh cards, so I would, you know, buy and sell Yu-Gi-Oh cards, like, in mm -hmm. middle school and stuff. <clears throat> and then my first kind of, like, success um, of starting a real business that, that's not just middle school candy was, so I was forced to play the piano. I'm, I'm Filipino for everybody listening, um, <laughs> Asian, so my mom made me play the piano when I was, like, seven, starting with seven, eight How years How long did you old. play for? I didn't really know that. I played for about 10 years, so from wait, what was, the fuck? when I was eight to 18. We never talked about yeah, this. I, I oh, so piano. that's why you have a music background. Yes, I started with the piano. We never discussed this. Yeah. I'm only finding this out <laughs> for the first time because I don't know if you knew this. I played for about ten years too. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. What Actually, the no, I, I did know that. But like you I probably knew I played you. piano, but you probably didn't know like to what extent I played. Mm. You know, there's people that like self teach and whatever, but yeah, I played like formally and played mm. classical music and like the Beethoven shit and yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did exactly the same thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that so sense. so um, I remember at the time there was this one song on the radio called "Apologize." But <laughs> yeah, it was like how does how does it go again? Like So I looked it up online, like on YouTube. So YouTube kind of started around that time too. Yeah, I looked it up and I was like piano cover or whatever. I think I was like in seventh grade because mm -hmm. I wanted to learn how to play it because I was playing like the Beethoven and the box. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play like popular songs. Um, mainly to post it on Facebook and impress like all these girls, yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, so I looked it up. I couldn't find out how to play it and I didn't want to spend like 10, $15 buying the music sheet. Right. For it. Right. So I kind of just played it by ear and then to remember how I played it by ear, I put it on this thing called music notes or music sheets or uh -huh. something. Basically it's a program that yeah. allows you to make you your own it. music sheets. Okay. You don't play it. Uh, you just kind of like do it like one, oh, note, one note at a time. Okay. okay. I and thought then, you were about to say that like, you play it and it transfers over into music sheet for you. No, no, oh, no. That'd be fucking but I, yeah, I had to do it one note at a time. Okay. It, it would take like all day, like two, three days. <laughs> but eventually I would, I finally was able to make my own music sheet for this piano thing. You know what a music sheet, like to, to yeah. learn how to play the piano, you, you look at the music sheets, you play it right. on the piano. You just look at it and read it and then play it. Um, and then my dad got the idea, hey, why don't you like sell it? Cause you made it for yourself, but maybe other people would want it. Mm. So he sent me up with an eBay account okay. in like 2006, 2007 eBay. and a, also a, pay, a PayPal account yep. and then a YouTube account. Shout out to Elon. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just posted my music sheet on eBay for a dollar mm -hmm. and then literally like people started buying it immediately. I would get like one or two sales a day. Mm -hmm. So I was making like a dollar, two dollars a day when I was like 11 or 12. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, let's scale this. So then I did it for like a few Drake songs, um, like some some like Trey Song songs, like a bunch of different artists right. basically. And I've had like six or seven of them. I put them on eBay. And each one of them was getting one or two sales a day. 
Wow. I was literally like 12 in right. like 7th grade, 8th grade. Right. Yeah, it's still up on YouTube today. Like you can search it. It's literally called Dave Dave's Piano Music Sheet or Music Sheet by Dave. Oh, wow. It's literally like there's videos of me. And the way I would market it is not only just the organic traffic of people going to eBay and typing how to play it. Right. But then also like people on YouTube type like typing like how to play it. And mm. I put I also posted videos on YouTube. Um, just me playing it and people would see that and there'd be a link to the YouTube, mm. or sorry, to the eBay right. and then people would buy it off that. Okay. So I was literally making like two, three hundred, four hundred dollars a month when I was like 12 years old. Wow. Yeah. And so I did that, um, for like four or five years till I got to college. Then in college, I studied finance at the college of New Jersey. It's a small state school, mm -hmm. um, in New Jersey. And then, um, yeah, when I started college, I started doing, uh, like clothing reselling. Mm -hmm. I did that for three to four years to get through college, like um, just to pay for tuition, rent, alcohol, drugs, yeah. and stuff like that. Basically <laughs> my whole life. I made like fifty, sixty thousand dollars just flipping clothing. Mm -hmm. Just flipping clothing. Um, but when I graduated I was broke because I like spent it on, you know, books and everything like that. Right. So I still graduated with no money. And then when I was twenty two I started my biggest company called Mount Lai, mm -hmm. which is a jade roller company. It still exists today. I think I'm pretty sure it's still sold in Sephora and stuff. Wait, really? Yeah. So yeah, I started in 2017 with a co-founder and then by 2018 it was stocked in Sephora. Legit? Yeah. Yo, why did I not know about this? It was, it was stocked in Sephora. It still is stocked Your in Sephora. Your J Roller. It was, is, yeah. So, so it started off. What, what's uh, the brand? Mount Lai. Like mountain. Mount. L-A-I. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It's kind of, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a J Roller brand. Wow. If you go on Sephora... You, you'll find it. It's still there. It's on. And I don't think you can find it in stores, but okay. you can find it online. Shit. Bro, what? I didn't even know this. Okay. Like, yeah. there's so many businesses. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny, but okay. Continue. I'm like, yeah, I've done, right I've done like 15 to 20 businesses over the course of my life. Yeah. I, yeah. So that's, that's, um, yeah. So I ran that from 2017 to 2018. Um, we did really well. Left that. I started another e-commerce company in 2019. Ran that for two and a half years Okay. with my roommate. Um, his name is Josh. We recently sold that business um, like three months ago in May. Uh -huh. So we sold it using an online business broker. Right. And then since then, my lease ended around the same time. So since then, I've just been traveling in the past three to four months, kind of just traveling to like four or five cities in the U.S., staying at Airbnbs, hotels, hanging out with friends and scheming like my next big plans. Dude. When you say, the first thing I remember when you talk about selling your business is when we were at Cha Cha Matcha in yeah. New York, we were like right before you kind of came over here and you literally said, bro, I'm only, wait, you're 26, right? 26. 20, I just turned 26 just turned in 20. June. Okay. You're like, because at the time I think you were probably 25 then and you're yeah. like, man, I'm 25 and just sold a business, but I haven't done shit. <laughs> yeah. And you remember that joke we were talking about? I'm like, bro, there's people out here like trying to get a job right now yeah. and you're 25 you just sold a business and you feel like you haven't done shit with your life. I know. I sold my first business, sold my second business, but I don't know. I guess it's just the constant comparison. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. So like, I feel that way. Cause, <laughs> cause when you, when you also get some success, you also want to elevate your, your social life and like your network. Yeah. So like if I had kept my network of like OG, like high school friends, mm -hmm. I would never say that. Right. I would be like, Oh, look at what I've done. Like of course, compared to regular, like right. my regular high school friends, like right. I'm doing so much, but like, because I get successful and, 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 um, meet new people and meet, you know, even more successful people and yeah. expand my network. Yeah. Now I look at what they do and it's right. like, it's very humbling. It's like, right. Oh, like that's why I said what I said. It's just like, Oh, but I think it's funny though. Like I like that. I mean, like, you know me, I just like say, I, I laugh. Cause it's like, to me, it pushes me too. Cause I'm like, well shit, like Dave's doing this, Ronnie's doing this, like all these friends. It's like. <laughs> Emily, fucking keep up, you know? Yeah, so it's yeah. like a whole cycle. But I personally love it because I feel like in 2020, when, when I first met you at that um, mastermind, like mm. I was, you know, I feel like I was leveling up. And I was, when I was, I guess, a year-ish after college, finally hanging out with more entrepreneurial friends. Mm. So for me, that was more eye-opening. So you had a nine-to-five job as well, right? How yeah. long was that for? So right when I graduated TCNJ, I had a finance degree. And I worked for J.P. Morgan. Okay. Um, they have an office in Philly. Yeah. So I worked. I lived in Philly for a year. Uh, worked at J.P. Morgan, just doing like, just financial analysis, basically mm -hmm. just just as a final fi uh, financial financial analyst. Mm -hmm. And basically, when I started my first big brand, mm -hmm. Mount um, I basically had to use almost every single penny. Yeah. That I had made at J.P. Morgan, I used my signing bonus, which was like. 
I think it was like 2500 or something okay. like that to literally buy the first batch of inventory mm-hmm. for for the brand. And yeah. then every time, because we were growing so fast, every time I would um, get a paycheck yeah. every every two weeks from JP Morgan, I would literally just deposit it straight into the business just, yeah. just to grow and grow. Mm-hmm. And basically without my job, I pretty much wouldn't be able to scale the business because right. we didn't have the cash flow. By the time... I left my business because the, sorry, by the time I left my job, my, my corporate job, mm-hmm. because the business was growing so large, I was like 20, 30 K in credit card, personal credit card debt because I was really? literally, Damn. yeah, I was literally like funding the, the right. business, both right. of me. Yeah. Every, like me and the partner, we were just funneling, you know, all the funds and the inventory purchases yeah. like on our personal credit cards just to keep the business growing because, right. you know, as you, as you know, with inventory based businesses, yeah. you need yeah. working capital yeah. to keep up with the demand. You know, it's funny because I've heard that before too for other inventory-based businesses where people go through their credit cards. Like I hear this on other podcasts like that are focused on entrepreneurship as well where people do that. But I think that shows like you're willing to do whatever it takes to, yeah. you know what I mean? Looking back on it, honestly, it was one of the, it was crazy. Yeah. Like I didn't realize it at the time because I just felt so confident right. in the business and what I was doing. Like. I don't know why I went 5k in debt to buy first batch of inventory. I don't know why I went 30k in debt to keep the business afloat. Yeah. But in the end, it, it like worked. I, I just wasn't thinking at the time because um, in my opinion, when you're young, you could literally go to zero right. so many times because you can just get a job and replenish right. your bank account. That's kind of where my mentality is right now because I obviously, you know, I left my nine to five mm. a couple months ago and I feel like I'm only 24. So to me, like the worst case scenario is always just going back to get another nine to five and then using that to fund other things in the meantime, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. That's interesting. So then when, when you left, what was it based off of? Was it based off of financial like stability? Like, or were you going to go in with a mix of gut feeling? What is that process like? Cause I think that's a lot of what most people are always curious about. Someone recently DM'd me saying, you know, how do you prepare to quit? Like, you know, what makes you feel ready? What makes you feel X, Y, and Z? Obviously, you did that before me, so I'm curious what you went through. Yeah. Um, so, about six months into... So, I worked for exactly a year after okay. college. Around, I started the business right when I started my job, too. So, okay. we started at the exact same time, just to kind of frame the timeline. Around about five, four or five months into my job and also starting the business, yeah. um, I knew in my head that like if this business grows really big, there's no way I could keep the job at the same time. Right. So... At that time, halfway through, like halfway through the year, basically, mm-hmm. I was thinking to myself, okay, if my, if my business can make me as much as my full-time job, mm-hmm. at least as much as my full-time job. So just for transparency, like I think I was making around probably 4K a month, like after taxes. Okay. Basically. Okay. So I was, I was like, cause it was, it's just a regular finance job. I was right. making like 4K or whatever. And I was like, okay, if I can make more than 4K a month just based off the profit of the business, yeah. then it makes sense to quit. Right. Because the job is not scalable, right? You, right. you make 4K like every month no matter what. Right. Even if I put overtime hours in or like like eight hours a day, like hard work, it's mm-hmm. still going to make, you know, 4K a month. And then mm-hmm. maybe at the end of the year, I'll get a raise and right. make like right. 4.3K yeah. a month yeah. or whatever. But with the business, I knew that if I put 16 hours a day into it instead of just you know, the after hours, like 6 p.m. to 12 a.m., that that can be scaled to way more. And after I quit, the, um, you know, the business grew, like, exponentially. So it was just more like I wanted to make sure that my business was making more than my full-time job. Right. And then I felt safe to quit. Okay. Was there ever a time when you were in that job that you wanted to jump the gun a little earlier? Or did you force yourself to have the discipline to wait for that financial point? So I really wanted to do it a lot earlier. Yeah. The only issue was, um, and people who are, who do corporate stuff can, uh, relate to this. My signing bonus would be taken away from me uh-huh. if I left before <laughs> a year. So mm. I could have left probably like two or three months before, okay. but I literally just was sitting there just like freaking brain dead, because, yeah. like not doing anything, just like kind of waiting at the time. Cause I didn't want my like two, three K signing bonus right. and my year end bonus or whatever right. Right. of like three K to like be taken away because yeah. I left before the kind oh, of vested. Okay. So yeah. But, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Let's dive into growing specifically an e-commerce business. I feel like this is your strong suit. You're really good at this. You've clearly done a lot. Um, give us like the first 
tip in what should people research or what should people know before getting into whether it's drop shipping or anything in e-commerce like a lot of people i think jump to it thinking oh i can i can do this business mm -hmm. right as you know people are always kind of like having that fomo like oh it must be easy right you and i both know it's it's not but what are some basic tools that they can know or learn to get started if that is of interest to them yeah 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 so the one thing I, the biggest tip I'd say before or right as you start your e-commerce business is you really want to make sure that whatever product or service or well, in this for e-commerce product, whatever product you choose, um, that there's demand. Mm -hmm. So don't just like pick a product and go, you know, balls deep, just buying like all this inventory before you even try to sell it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people will do like kind of surveys. I'm sure you've seen people survey for different things. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, put out like a Google forum saying like, oh, would you buy this? Would you buy this? Do mm -hmm. your customer research and see if you can actually, if there's actually demand for your product idea. Mm -hmm. um, another thing you can do to kind of alleviate that risk is uh, like take pre-orders. Yeah. So you, before you even manufacture, spend a dime on manufacturing, you can kind of uh, post it on Instagram and like, kind of get a feeler for yeah. what people are thinking about your designs or your right. product or whatever, and then have it sit for sale for pre-order. And, mm -hmm. you know, people can put their money where their mouth is, right. and that's when you can get the revenue, and then use that to then um, buy the inventory after you've made the pre-sales. Um, but in, in addition to just um, e-commerce in general, I think that you have to really love marketing, mm -hmm. because when it comes to um, selling products, it's 90%. 95% marketing. Right, right. Um, it's, there's a little bit of supply chain, you know, a little bit of financial stuff, accounting and yeah. stuff like that. But to be honest, it's like all branding. It's all, the, it's all get, getting traffic to your site. Right. You do this podcast. Like imagine if you just did this podcast, but there was no traffic. Like you just kept making the podcast, but like no one was listening to right. it. It's like the same thing as making a product and then no one is looking at the product. Even you could have the dopest product in the world, mm -hmm. but if no one has their eyes on it, then you're pretty much stuck with the product and you can't sell it. Right. So marketing is huge. Um, there's a lot of different ways to market, whether it's organic methods, mm -hmm. like you can use TikTok, Reddit, Instagram hashtags. Um, but organic methods aren't as reliable nowadays mm -hmm. because, mm -hmm. um, you know, organic reach just isn't there nowadays right. for, for a lot of um, different platforms. TikTok is probably the best right now for organic reach. Right. Like people can start businesses and then just make a TikTok and then it just blows up overnight. Right. Or anything, like literally like as a person or as an artist mm -hmm. or, or anything can blow up overnight. Mm -hmm. And that's like the beauty of TikTok right now. Yeah. So an advice for somebody who wants to get a lot of free, a lot of free organic traffic if you're just starting out, um, looking at a lot of TikTok stuff and going viral on TikTok. Yeah. Sure. Regarding, like let's say like paid ads, right? Mm -hmm. You do Facebook ads? Yeah, Facebook. What are some top three tips you have for someone starting out who wants to, who feels like they need to explore that route for their business? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So before you even start Facebook ads, you need to make sure that your product has a good profit margin. Okay. So I recommend probably at least 15 to $20 a profit margin. Mm -hmm. And the reason is this. If you have, if you have a $10 product and yeah. you make it for $5, <clears throat> You're not going to be able to get, so your, your profit margin to be profitable is five bucks, Yeah. right? $10 you sell it for minus the $5 you make it for. Mm -hmm. So five, you're not going to be able to get what we call like a cost per purchase, yeah. a cost per acquisition mm -hmm. of $5. Like you don't, you just don't really see that. Yeah. Usually it's between 10 and $20 mm -hmm. for kind of lower priced items. Mm -hmm. So if you want to sell something on Facebook, make sure that your profit margin is good. So if you want to sell like a $30 product, make sure that it's like you're getting it for $5, right. which is people call that like the cost of goods sold. Yeah. Cogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cogs. Cogs. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to like specifically Facebook ads, once you think you have a product that's good and you want to start running Facebook ads, um, the two things I would say for that tips on, on that is make sure that um, you're, it's all in the creative. Mm -hmm. And the creative is basically there's um, creative is basically the video or the photo mm -hmm. that you choose to run when you're running Facebook ads. With like when you're scrolling on Instagram, you mm -hmm. see an ad. It's eye-catching. It makes you stop scrolling. Mm -hmm. You want to like watch the ad. Basically, you have to test a lot of creatives mm -hmm. and figure out which one is the best for your target customer. 
Do you feel so? Do you also do Instagram ads as well, or do you prim, do you focus primarily on Facebook? So when people actually say Facebook ads, yeah. it actually means because Instagram is owned yeah. by Facebook, exactly. it means yeah. both Facebook and Instagram ads. Right. Some products do better on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Some products do better on Instagram because, as you can imagine, people on Facebook is a different demographic mm -hmm. than people on Instagram. Right. I mean, pretty much everyone has a Facebook, mm -hmm. but think about it: like you're not on your timeline right. on Facebook. You're not right. on your newsfeed on Facebook like hours a day. Mm -hmm. However, on Instagram. You know, people in our generation, like mm -hmm. kind of like younger millennials and Zoomers mm -hmm. and stuff, we're just on Instagram. Right. And, right. and so a lot of products that are targeting younger people. Mm -hmm. So, for example, my jewelry company. So mm -hmm. I run a jewelry company called Kuyashi Jewelry with, mm -hmm. my, um, with a partner named Connor. Mm -hmm. um, it's a three or four year jewelry company. I kind of bought in some equity about... A little less than a year ago, just mm -hmm. so just so I can help with the marketing and scale it up. Yeah, and we've done quite well. But for in terms of Facebook ads for it, I primarily only run on Instagram because mm -hmm. our target audience is like thirteen to thirty, mm -hmm. and pretty much no one in that audience is like really that active on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook is more like especially nowadays, it's more like kind of in the older millennial right. kind of baby boomer generation, right. like thirty five plus. Like a lot of moms, grandpas mm -hmm. use it and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um. For spending in ads, do you have a recommendation for someone who's just starting out how to not overspend mm -hmm. and, you know, basically fuck up because they're quite frankly still a noob? At yeah, exactly. Part? Exactly. Um, I would say you can literally start with like $50 a day. Mm -hmm. um, when you're doing any ads, you basically just have to run it for two, three days and within $100, $150, you could tell if it's working or not. Okay. And if it's not working with $100 of spend, mm -hmm. then you have to go and... Uh, iterate basically on what you've done when it comes to Facebook ad there's a lot of things you can iterate on mm -hmm. you could do the copy and yeah. which is basically just like the description of the ad what right. will you say in the ad the video um, and then also on the website side of things when people click on your Facebook ad they have to go to the landing page of your website and then if that's not optimized then you're not going to get any sales right so optimized meaning like you know the ad copy is good the photo has high quality mm -hmm. the copywriting is good and it loads really quick. Right. So there's a lot of things that affect your Facebook ads. So that's why, you know, I've been doing Facebook ads since 2016, I want to say, like yeah. um, early 2017. So it's about four years now. Mm -hmm. um, and I still have a lot to learn and I learn every day when I run Facebook ads. So it definitely takes a long time. I remember the first time I ran Facebook ads, I spent 20 in 2017 for um, one of my businesses I spent $2,500 and I didn't get a single sale. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I know. It was, it was the worst. I felt so ashamed because the business was kind of small at the time. And I was like, oh, because I tried to learn it off YouTube yeah. or something. What, we, what was the mistake for that one? What was the primary yeah. or at least reflecting now? Mm -hmm. The mistake was there's this, this is kind of very specific about Facebook stuff, mm -hmm. but there's this thing called, um, you can choose what event to optimize for. Right. So you could optimize for purchases right. on Facebook. Right. Uh, you can run your ads to try to get purchases, mm -hmm. which means that Facebook is going to try to get you purchases. Yeah. When I was running the ads, I was optimizing for like page views. Oh. I wasn't optimizing for purchase, which is oh, damn. was like really bad because basically Facebook was spending all my money and it was trying to get me people who would be most likely to click on the ad and go to the page. But that's not the same thing as people who are clicking on the ad and most likely to purchase. So I was basically running to an event that literally doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if you get a million people on your page mm -hmm. and zero people purchase. Right. I'd rather get 100 people on the page and 100 people purchase rather than a million people and zero people purchase. Right. So I was right. just optimizing for the wrong thing. It was a huge noob mistake. Okay. I just had okay. no idea what I was doing. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how I wasted $2,500 in 2017 running <laughs> Facebook ads. Those are just things we learn though, right? Like in the process of business, you know, I feel like there's, it's always a trial and error. Um, but I did want to ask you, what is something you wish you knew, I guess, or I guess what you would tell your younger self now relating to business or growing a brand, things like that, of what, after what you've learned to, up to this time? Yeah. So the biggest thing and the biggest barrier for growth that I experienced in 2017, 2018, 2019 was I didn't actually understand how to get help. Mm. Like, you know, the entire time for two, three years, like, it was literally just me. Like, I didn't think that I didn't... Like, like for example, we were doing, like, 100 orders a day. Yeah. And I spent five hours a day in my garage packing orders. <laughs> like, why would the CEO or, you know, the CMO of a company... Right. That's doing 
you know, six, seven figures, whatever it is. Right. Why would they be in the in the garage freaking packing orders? Right. You could literally pay anybody to do that and your time could be better used on, you know, more important things like just like iterating on the product, improving the product or like focusing on marketing or anything like that. Right. So I just had, I spent so many hours a day just packing orders because I didn't realize that because that was like my first big business. Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize that, you know, I didn't realize that you could, you can get help. So mm -hmm. customer service, I was sitting there like answering like a hundred emails <laughs> every single freaking day, you know, yeah. like back yeah. and forth with the customers. I didn't know I could go to the like I could go to Philippines and hire a VA for yeah. three dollars an hour. Yeah. And like that's a really good wage for them. Like three dollars mm -hmm. and fifty cents is like what a nurse makes. Yeah. And if I'm gonna pay somebody in the Philippines three dollars and fifty cents, like that's really good for me because mm -hmm. obviously like minimum wage in the US is like twelve dollars, fifteen dollars, whatever right. it is. But that's a good wage for them. So they're happy to do that for that for that price and they don't even have to go in it. They just stay at home. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very good to um, utilize like VAs from the Philippines and stuff and VAs yeah. like virtual assistant, right? They could help you just like answer emails, yeah. schedule clients, whatever it is. Yeah. And I want to add to preface for the audience in case they think that's very, you know, bad to outsource like that. Obviously if you're into entrepreneurship and, or have at least read like Tim Ferriss content, you know, four hour work week in mm. that book, he says it specifically about outsourcing and he has tested VAs in like India, Philippines, all of that. And that's very much normal for, digital entrepreneurs so for those who are like cringing at the fact that that is the pay for people in those countries like th that is a, a thing it's not like us um trying to be cheap basically yeah. right so i'm just kind of putting it out there because i could imagine someone who's not experienced in entrepreneurship and has no idea about vas and like outsourcing to people in different mm -hmm. countries they might be like what the fuck like you're so cheap like you know but but that's that's normal and and that's something I'm, I'm gonna adopt to in the very near future um and the beauty of that is they're working while you're sleeping yeah exactly, right exactly exactly <laughs> it's crazy so like, like while you're sleeping like you know people e like emailing into like your know, customer service stuff like they're answering it for you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and they, you, they you can get 24 7 and so basically when i had customer service vas i would just be three people on eight hour shifts mm -hmm. so it's just like cover coverage 24 hours a day yeah. basically so that's the good part. Um, yeah. Okay. What about stoic mindset? Um, real quick, I want to dive into that. The first, my first impression of you when I met you last year, which ironically I think was like around exactly this week. I think this is like, we're speaking on August 18th. Mm -hmm. And I think this was around like the third week of August because it was right before I moved into this apartment. Um, but I saw you had some like, yes, Ego is the Enemy, which is a book from Ryan Holiday by exactly. Ryan Holiday, and yeah. I was like stoicism, baby, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I remember we, we, yeah, we met, we met. You really like my tattoos, yeah, that, yeah. Ego is the enemy, and money dies in the end. Those are his tattoos. Um, give a, a couple reasons why and or just how stoic mindset has helped you not only in business but also in personal life, maybe with like personal relationships, yeah. um, friendships, that kind of thing. Absolutely. So I say the biggest um, everyday thing that the biggest everyday help that stoicism has on just like my psyche and my mm -hmm. mental is that um, there's a concept called like negative visualization mm -hmm. where I basically can like imagine or like play in my head all the, the things, all the different like v varied things that could happen in my life. Mm -hmm. Like for example, when I, when I hop into my car in the morning, I can already visualize that somebody's gonna cut me off, somebody's gonna honk at me, right. somebody's gonna do something stupid that, you know, in a normal case would annoy someone. But because I already like internalized that that is something that is possible and mm. it's going to happen, mm. like when it happens to me, I'm gonna be like, oh, I've already mentally prepared for this. I already wrote it off. It was like a sunk cost to me. So if it doesn't happen, Ooh. that's great. And if it happens, then like, oh, I was already mentally prepared. Like I was already. I already, I already knew that it was going to happen, so it's fine. It's just w within the realm of possibilities in the world. Shit. You know, that's interesting that you bring that up. Recently, I, Ronnie recommended this to me, trying out therapy. And one of the things that I struggle with is, is like, for example, when people cancel plans and something my therapist recommended, not because people cancel plans, but because I... Um, and very like I'm very like Ronnie a little bit where it's like we're all like by our calendars by our schedules And so it throws me off a little bit and something my therapist recommended was 
um, actually going into the day, doing exactly what you said, pretty much like visualizing or looking at my calendar, seeing what's the worst that can happen is mm. someone cancels so that you already actually mentally prepared yourself. And I find like, that's so funny that you say that I learned this very recently. And like, I think we also have similar personalities in that sense where we try our best to not let those external factors push us into a bad reaction. So for me, it's something I'm trying to work on is like, what can I do to alleviate that? Oh, it's fine. Cause I already kind of saw that potential. Exactly. Coming. And I was having a discussion with one of my close friends. Um, I just flew in from Houston like, a couple of days ago. Right. So he lives in Houston right now. I was having a discussion with him and then he was kind of stressing cause his business was doing really well. Like, mm -hmm. you know, six figures every month. And then, um, and for, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Six figures revenue every month. But then recently it started to decline like 20, 30%, not doing as much revenue. And he was like stressing about it, like right. absolutely stressing the whole time I was there. And then I was telling him like, bro, like think about what's the worst thing that could happen. Like if you literally, if somebody took the entire business from you and you literally didn't own any of the equity in the business mm -hmm. and you lost all of it. Yeah. Like it's not that your revenue declined, like you literally lost it all. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not yours anymore. Right. You would still, the next day you would wake up and you would be fine. You would literally just start another business or, or you know, you would, you would be fine. Like nothing's going to happen to you. Right. Um, cause he had started other businesses in the past and mm -hmm. has done well on other things. So yes, you have a business, but you have, you know, you have backup funds. Yeah. Like just because your main business is tanking, there's, it could be worse. Like yeah. it could be a lot worse. Yeah. And it's so funny too, because I feel like I get like that, um, at least in the current stage of life for me, where similarly, if I were doing like previously six figures a month in revenue and then tanking and like going down to mm. like 80, 70 K a mm -hmm. month, I would have the same reaction, you know, but it's so funny that I think it's, it's a skill that I would say I would take from stoicism where it's like, you got to realize, well, a making 70 K a month in revenue is not a bad position to be in. Yeah. It's a, it's all relative, but B like, like your quote says money dies in the end. Mm -hmm. And the worst case scenario is like you go get a job again or like you go do something else. In his case, it probably sounds like he could just build something up again. Um, but that's the thing. It's right. Like we, we get so scared of being put in a position that we've been in before though. Right. Like it's like, it's not like we haven't been there and we were living, you know, but it was like fucking funny to think about that shit. I'm just thinking like we're 24, 26 and we're just sitting here like, bro, I, I, I went from hundred K to 70. I know. <laughs> It's so funny, but the crazy it's, it's part... It's like bigger than some people's salaries, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> For annual salary. It's like funny. It's, it's, it's actually funny to me, yeah. but, like, but like, you know. Yeah, um, what you said is actually really powerful. Like, um, when we were... When I was 22, I had nothing, right? Yeah. I graduated college. I was in credit card debt to start my company. Yeah. And I was fine. Like, I, yeah. I was just doing my thing. And after building what I've built over the past four years mm -hmm. and like getting to where I am today, if you took all that away, I would literally be back to just being where I was at 22. Right. And I was fine then. I would just build it up again. Right. Obviously, it would be a lot harder work because, you know, I'd have to grind and grind again. Mm -hmm. But within two, three years, I'd be successful again. Mm -hmm. And it would be even easier this time because I, I now know you've done what, I, what I didn't know. Like I literally had no... Bro, when I started my first e-commerce business when I was 22... And I didn't even know the, the word e-commerce. All I knew <laughs> is that you could buy something for cheaper. Right. And you could sell it for more. Right. I remember after I started the business, I went on YouTube. Because I kept heard, hearing this word e-commerce. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what the hell is e-commerce? I already started the business. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what the hell is e-commerce? <laughs> so I went on YouTube. I typed in, what is e-commerce? And then I just watched like e-commerce videos. Like, oh, what, it, like, what is e-commerce? It's like, oh, it's selling online and stuff. I didn't even know that. Right. So... <laughs> and what I like though, I, I saw this on your story the other day. You, it was something... It was like maybe a week ago where... I feel like you probably have established this deeper than I have, but it's like this, this connection or like lack of being a slave to your car, lack of being a slave to mm -hmm. money, right? Like at some point, I think it was, you said something like someone did this to your car, or maybe someone like took this much amount of money to you from you yeah. and you were like blatantly like stoic about it. Yeah. yeah. That's fucking master shit. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts off with like people being very stoic about like the small things right. that happen. So like if somebody cuts you off, like... Mm -hmm. Eventually you can start learning and it eventually you can start learning that you got just let it go. Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. worth, these are things that are happening in the world. Like the way I live life is like, I'm living my own life. I'm the main character in my own life mm -hmm. and everybody is an NPC. 
a non-playable character. They're just, they're literally robots in my world. And they're just, whatever, you know, they were born and raised to act like, yeah. they're literally going to act like that. Right. And I should be aware of that. So if they do something that wrongs me, but like, they were going to act like that anyway. So like, it's, I can't really get mad at who they are. Right. I just have to focus on myself. So basically if somebody cuts me off, it starts with like the small things. Yep. Somebody mm -hmm. cuts you off. It's like, okay, that's fine. But then it, it gets bigger and bigger. Like you lose larger sums of money. Right. You know, somebody scams you for like 5k mm -hmm. you know what they probably needed it to like feed their family or whatever like fuck it's not the worst thing in the world right you just have to like internalize that you're gonna be okay after yeah. all these things that happen yeah you can't be attached to anything and then this also relates to what i was saying earlier with like imagine if i lost all my business and everything and i had to start over i'd be 22 i'd basically just be in the same position when i was mm -hmm. 22 when i was okay mm -hmm. like um, you know, say if, so if I buy myself like a BMW, like mm -hmm. I don't have a BMW today, right? Mm -hmm. If I bought myself a BMW M3, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and then three weeks and like, you know, three, four weeks from now, somebody crashed into it yeah. and I lost it and it was written off. I would just be back to where I was right now, just sitting right next to you. Like right. I'm, I'm fine right now mm -hmm. just because I, and I buy a car and then somebody crashed into it. Right. I'm just right back to where I was mm -hmm. and I'm okay now. Yeah. So it's a, you, have, you can't basically the, the, the thesis is like, you can't be too attached to anything yeah. because anything that you had, you once did not have and you were okay. It's so funny when you said that you can't be like, does that last statement where it's that you once were okay prior to, without that thing. I think it's important to realize it's the same with a person with relationships. Yeah. I was back in wow, the Wow, that's good. That's, a, that's <laughs> so good. That's fucking deep. That's good. Like we all come on, like we all like have had our breakups or our sad fucking moments mm -hmm. and I feel like I stepped into stoicism because of my very first hard breakup of all time and I ended up like dating him again in total for 4 years and like the second time it was great cuz I was very stoic on the second half of the mm -hmm. relationship. But I remember the first time I felt like my life was over. It was very dramatic, right? But it's funny, we can look back and we say that now, and it's like, we got to take that lesson though and apply it to future. So obviously not just with a M3 BMW, but also with a future partner, you know, it's like, we could both be getting into relationships this year. And that's, we got to recognize in this moment right now on August 18th at 6.32 PM, yeah. we are, we are good. We're, we're good. We're happy. We're, we're healthy, good. Right? <laughs> we're, we're, we have things that we're excited to. And it's like, don't be fucking crying about that guy or that girl in December because it's like, you know, she fucked up or he fucked yeah, up, yeah. you know, it's like, we were good here. Bring us back to this point. I think it's something, I think that's like the bigger picture too, is mm -hmm. people need to internalize that in personal relationships. So I think that is what triggers people more, even more mm -hmm. because they, they forget that people are just built that way. They're NPCs. <laughs> <laughs> NPCs. <laughs> Great concept. Um, okay. Well, Two last quick questions. First one is a book recommendation that people have to read. Just like one book that comes to mind. Yeah. So obviously I'm not going to say this one just because it's, I already have it as a tattoo. Yeah. Ego is the enemy. Um, it really teaches you a lot of things about stoicism. Um, my favorite, the way I apply it, because um, I used to be a competitive Super Smash Brothers player. <laughs> Believe it or not, like when I was in college, I would fly around the tournaments and wow. stuff like that. Okay. So when I first read Ego is the enemy... Um, before I had read it, every time somebody would beat me in the game, like in the tournament, I would be like so mad. I'd be uh, so mad at them. I would, I'd be like, uh, like making excuses for why I lost. Right. But then after I had read Ego is the Enemy, basically teaching me to set my ego aside. Like I'm not all mm -hmm. that great. Mm -hmm. I have to humble myself. Yeah. After I read this book, then I realized, oh, I should be thankful for this person for showing me how I can improve. Right. Anytime somebody wrongs you, you have to be thankful for them for helping you get an opportunity to practice your, your mental resolve. Yeah. Fuck, that fucked me up right there. <laughs> yeah. Made me realize I'm Every time somebody wrongs you, you should thank them yeah. for, for testing your discipline. <laughs> testing your mental discipline. It's true. No, I, I feel like I... <laughs> I They're just, helping you out. To, imagine going... Get them a like, gift. <laughs> I feel like we're so stoic. Imagine being that stoic and being like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for fucking me. Thank, thank you for fucking me. Thank you. Jesus. Yeah, that's that's this level of stoicism that took me four to five years. To yeah, it's to. a process for people thinking this is overnight. No, this is for sure. I've been practicing stoicism for, you know, at least three, four years now, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, so that's half of my book recommendation. In, in terms of business, 
Um, I always, I've gifted this book to like five or six entrepreneurs already. Mm-hmm. It's called The E-Myth Revisited. Fuck. And basically it's about auto, like automation and like making sure that you're not wearing every hat in your business. Mm-hmm. It's about delegating. And it's something that I wish I had. I wish I was armed with this book when I started business. Um, even if you're just starting out your business, you should read it because if you don't think about how to delegate before you scale, mm-hmm. after you scale, when you're blitz scaling and the business has grown and you only start thinking about it, you're basically fucked. Right. So definitely if you're starting a business or not yet, yeah, whether it's product, agency, whatever it is, it's called The E-Myth Revisited. Okay. I will put that in the show notes. Um, last question, and it's something I ask everyone on this show, and I'm sure you've thought about this on your morning walks at some point in your deep yeah. thoughts. Um what fulfills you, Dave? <laughs> what fulfills me? Yeah, the ultimate question. Yeah. yeah. So what fulfills me is, it's pretty simple. It's just doing, so two, I say two things. Um, from On the business perspective is, and the work perspective is just doing great work with great people. Mm-hmm. Like, where can you go wrong sitting in an office or a Zoom call or whatever nowadays? Mm-hmm. Um, where can you go wrong sitting in an office with amazing people that you trust and care about working toward a, a similar, like, you know, a similar vision, mm-hmm. a like-minded vision. Yeah. And that's good for the world. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong. That's like, that's like the definition of fulfillment. Right. And then besides business, just making sure that my closest friends and my family are good. Yeah. Making sure that I'm always contributing to their lives. For sure. Dude, thank you for being on. Um, this was actually the dope. <laughs> this was a really dope conversation. Where can people find you? Share your very unique Instagram, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Instagram <yeah>. username. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my username on Instagram is at once. So literally like O-N-C-E. Yeah. Just once. Yeah. And uh, just a side note about my username. It's actually really helpful for when I like slide into girls' DMs. Yeah. Because literally like I swear like half the time they, they answer me only they're like, Oh, like later on after we start talking, they're like, oh, by the way, I honestly only like responded because your username was really cool. And we were like already dating and stuff. So funny. (laughs) So yeah, you can find me on once uh, Mm -hmm. at once on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of uh, my thoughts. I honestly, just to add a tangent to that, I feel really proud every time I add you in my story, like at once. (laughs) I feel like really fucking cool. Like, oh, at once. Maybe I should be like at twice. Twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for having me on though. This is a a conversation that was a long time coming. For sure. Thank you. And that was all for today's episode. Be sure to follow along with Dave if you found his content and his information useful. His Instagram, as we mentioned, is literally just at once o-n-c-e and all of that will be linked in the show notes and before you head out um definitely want to do a plug here be sure to follow what fulfills you on tiktok i have recently been more active on there and if you want to see exclusive content for a very very fun product i'm launching for what fulfills you you definitely want to follow along on tiktok there Um, maybe I will share on the Instagram reels on what fulfills you, but for now, all the exclusive content will be there. So again, everything across the board is just what fulfills you. I'm so excited for this upcoming product. It is launching on September 25th, and it's something that I know many of you will enjoy this fall season and with holidays coming up. And regarding all merch, you can find all of that, including the sweatshirt and the notebook at whatfulfillsyou.com. Again, everything's linked in the show notes. Comment on the latest Instagram post. If you enjoyed this, share this on your IG story, tag us, all of that good stuff. And I'll chat with you next time. Bye.